Hey, turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 16. I'm having a crisis in the Miller household, need some help. It's true, let me show you a picture of my grandson, you'll understand this. He's 18 months, he's enjoying life. I got one more there. We were on vacation and he was excited about dinner. Well, he calls me Pops and he calls Linnell uh, Lonnie or Lala. And uh, anyway, uh, I'm working at Gander the other night. We're working away and I come home and Linnell and Rebecca have this troubled look on their face. And they're a little offish to me. And I said, what's the matter? And they said, well, Henry FaceTimed us and all he said was, where's Pops? Where's Pops? It's true, isn't it, honey? I know, I know. It's a guy thing. I will let it go. Okay, all right. Good for you. Hey, I'm often asked what kind of church Church on the Rock is. And let me give you three cornerstones or three legs on the stool. One is we're a church that believes the Bible is the inerrant word of God. The Bible is absolute truth. And if God tells me something that's opposite of culture, I'm going with the Bible. The second leg of the stool is that we believe that Jesus Christ, God the Son, is the only means of salvation. And the reason is because not only did he say he's the way, the truth, and the life, but because Jesus provided the substitutionary death on the cross to pay for our sins. And the third thing that's distinct and unique to this church is that we believe that the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts can and should be normal in church life today. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit, the miracles, uh, we have faith and believe that God can act in the same way in our lives. Well, we've been doing a series called Supernatural. It's about experiencing the power and presence of God in everyday life. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 11, last week we talked about God's presence. Scripture says, in your presence, there's what? Fullness of joy. This phrase, in God's presence, is not some spooky, weird, or mystical feeling. You don't have to cross your legs and do your fingers like that or repeat a mantra to experience it. It's an awareness that God is near. It's worth going back and listening to if you missed it. But today I want to talk specifically about God the Holy Spirit. We want to understand who He is. Uh, but today the bulk of my message will be uh, uh, looking at what, what things did He do for people in the Bible. What supernatural acts were happening in the Old Testament? What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? And lastly, what did Paul say about the Holy Spirit? It's going to kind of be a panorama of the Bible. I'll say a lot about, uh, I'll say a little bit about a lot of things today. Uh, it'll be a two-part message. Uh, after Father's Day, I'll talk to you about the second part of the message. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, which focuses primarily on his gifts, his power, his demonstrations through his people. Uh, we'll talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Very misunderstood in church life, but very vital, as the Bible would teach us. Uh, I've entitled the, these two messages, Welcome Holy Spirit. And I want to base it on a verse uh, uh, quoting Jesus Christ. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus told his disciples before he, he would, would, was crucified, he said, I'm going to ask the Father, God the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be what? With you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, this is the Holy Spirit, helper, Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive him, it neither sees him or knows him. 
If you wonder why there's so much hostility to the Christian faith in America today, it's because people don't know the Holy Spirit. They've not, the Holy Spirit is the means whereby we come to know and understand and experience God. If you wonder why people that care deeply about you but they can't understand this religious thing that's happened to you, this is the answer here. God the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. But this next phrase is the focus of the message. For you know him. This implies an intimate knowledge of a person, the Holy Spirit. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be Now that is an incredible statement that God the Holy Spirit who somehow can be in everywhere all the time, he's omnipresent, can somehow leave a portion of himself in every believer. When I come to Christ, when I receive Christ as my Savior, what's literally happening is the Holy Spirit is coming into my life. He is the God awareness that we enjoy. So let's jump into it. I first want to begin with a a, a moment about the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, uh, and you'll see what's called the Trinity. Uh, Matthew 3, 16, Jesus is being baptized in water. Immediately he goes up from the water, and the heavens were opened to him, and he saw what? The The Spirit of God. Clearly Jesus was God on this earth. Now we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And verse 17, there was a voice from heaven. Who do you think this voice was? It was God the Father. There was a voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well well pleased. God the, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit and and, and the Father. There's a little triangle that I want to show can perhaps illustrate this. Uh, how How many triangles do you see? Yeah, not a trick question, only one triangle. How many angles does it have? Three. And those three angles together make one triangle. There is one God. There's not three gods. It's monotheism, but he somehow reveals himself in three persons. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're literally talking about God's, the reality of God and his presence in our lives. Let's look at the Old Testament. And again, we're going to kind of, we're going to go quickly through these verses, but I want you to listen to the verses, not just for doctrine or fact, but that'll be true. I want you to listen with this thought. If God did it for them, God can do it for me. What God did in people's lives by his spirit, that same spirit lives in me today. And I hope there's something in your heart almost like reaching out. For example, first we'll talk about Joseph, Genesis 41, 38. Uh, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like Joseph in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, think about it. Joseph is, is the answer to Egypt's problems. Uh, he's God's man for the hour. But this pagan king, this Pharaoh, Joseph was able to interpret his dream about a coming famine Joseph declared seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, and then he told them what they should do. So by the Spirit of the Lord, he interpreted a dream. But listen to this, and this is where the relevancy is is clear. The Holy Spirit can show us how to solve problems. The Holy Spirit, by revelation, can show us what to do, and the Holy Spirit anointed this man to be the vice president of, of, of Egypt. Can I tell you this? What is needed across America today in churches, schools, communities, states, and federal government. We need a legion of Josephs to be able to to raise up. 
and to be able to call people back to God, to be able to show God's answers, to be able to, to make discoveries in the scientific arena and give the credit to God. There needs to be a return to God in the nation, and you and I can be these people. How many know all knowledge doesn't just come from a book? Because everything that's known today that was hidden yesterday was discovered. And how many know God already knows every discovery? God knew how to make the iPhone 500 years ago. God knew how to, how to make the internet, the, the, what would be involved in it. God knew all these things. God is a knowing God. And the same God that did these things can work for you if you find yourself in a situation where the company you're in, the school, the ball team, whatever it is, is in a problem or dilemma, they don't know what to do. How many know God can anoint you and he can tell you what the solution is? Come on, give him a good, a good hand. Here's another one. Exodus 31, a man named Bezalel. Scripture says uh, they, 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 he, uh, Moses is called to build the tabernacle or the church in the wilderness. But God said, look, I've specifically chosen a man named Bezalel and have filled him with the yeah, filled him with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that Jesus said would live in us. And I gave him wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. I've made him a master craftsman. Now, this guy is not a Sunday school teacher, but his role in the work of God across the earth is just as monumental. This guy's anointed in what we might call practical things, uh, 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 but he didn't just use his ability to make money. He used the ability God gave him to build the temple of God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, All of us should use whatever gift we've received to serve others, listen, as faithful stewards of God's grace. I am seeing this unfold dramatically as we're remodeling our Gander Mountain property. We have men in our church that are electrical engineers, architects, attorneys, contractors, all donating their, uh, most of their time or all of their time. We had a, we had a legion of volunteers out there, work days. Uh, 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 these guys were demoing. You say, well, what does that have to do with God? Somebody had to know if the circuit was still hot or not. Come on now, we're going around cutting wires. Somebody had to be smart enough how to know how to knock down a 20-foot wall and nobody got to get hurt. Somebody had to know how to get rid of those things. What I'm telling you is this, there are skills that are knowledge and that are abilities that God has given all of us. All of us have a sweet spot. All of us, listen, hope can sing, and if I tried to be the singer, you quit coming to church. I mean, we're graced in different things, you know. Uh, we're graced to build things. We're graced to play. We're graced to do different things. And these gifts, listen, are not just learned. They're not just from college education. These gifts are endowments of the Spirit. And God wants us to use these gifts to advance his, ki his kingdom. Let me give you another one. The life of David, 1 Samuel 16. David is a young boy. Saul is the king, but Saul's been a bad guy. And God's going to replace him. And notice now, he finds a young man. His name is David. And Samuel takes a horn of oil and literally pours oil on his head. as The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. He anoints him in the presence of his brothers. But notice what it says. From that day on, the yeah, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Now, David did many things. We know him as the beloved king of Israel. But what I want to focus on in the way that the Spirit of the Lord came on him, David wrote most of the book of Psalms in the Bible. The book of Psalms is the most, in some ways, meaningful, emotionally connecting book in the entire Bible. 
Because a man is sharing his feelings about God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it helps me when I read David's words. Uh, David was a writer of songs. Now, I want you to hear me today, you that have creative ability, you that are gifted in communication. The Holy Spirit can gift you to write a song like Amazing Grace, just like he wrote the gal that wrote that many, many years ago. There are millions. If you search the Internet, God only knows how many millions of songs are out there. But God can give to his people a song, a book. God can give his people an ability to communicate. Uh, we have a teacher, Lacey, in our church. She teaches at Liberty Ilo, named Teacher of the Year. So very proud of her. And... Uh, she says, if I, if, I, if I go to the quote, the next level, whatever that one was, she said, I'll have influence and I'll have say in terms of the education of our children. Well, what if God inspires her to write essays and to do research that is hidden from secular education? Because how many know secular education, as good as it is, is failing in many ways? How many know secular education is by and large just that it is godless? And if God could raise up Joseph, if God could anoint them like he anointed David, perhaps uh, God could use us to influence the world around us. Another Old Testament example, Nehemiah 9.30, broadly we speak of prophets. Nathan said, you sent your, your spirit, and the spirit warned them through the prophets. In other words, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would anoint men and women. They were a voice of God to the people. In the Old Testament, the prophet or the seer would have a predictive ability. But in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy is a bit different. There are prophets in the New Testament, valid in the church. Ephesians 4.11 says the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, evangelist, and teacher, fivefold ministries to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But there is a New Testament gift of prophecy that is available to each and every one of us in this room. I want to tell you that every believer in this room has the Holy Spirit in them. And God wants us to learn to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to help another person. You say, well, Pastor, where do you get that? I'm glad you asked. From the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, scripture says, you should desire the gifts or the special abilities the Spirit gives. You should desire. Look at your neighbor and say, you should desire. You should want to be able to experience. Some of you wouldn't do anything I asked you to do if I offered you $20. That's okay. Um, you should desire these special abilities. But then what does it say? Especially the ability to prophesy. Because the one who prophesies does three big things. Strengthens, encourages, and comforts. Now, how many can say, I need strength, encouragement, and comfort every day of my life? Yeah, yeah, I need it every day of my life. I get it every day as I read my Bible, but periodically I get it from gifted men and women. When we had finished the design of this property and we realized it was going to be too expensive, when the subcontractors came back and said, sorry, it costs too much to remodel this thing, uh, wish they'd have told us earlier, but they didn't, I didn't know what to do. I received a personal prophecy from a man named Mike Maiden. I didn't just listen to it because somebody said, this is the Lord. I showed it to our elders. I showed it to our pastors. We judged it. That's what the Bible says. Prove all things and then hold fast to that which is good. Well, I've got it taped to my dresser right now. I believe God was speaking. 
Last Friday or Thursday, I was visiting with someone who's encouraging me to start a ministry, not another church, but a ministry out of the church, and uh, has been encouraging me in this and shared a scripture from the Bible. It said, I, I was reading today, and I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this with you. And it was right in line. I wrote it down, and I put it in front of me because there is a power when God speaks. Come on now. When God speaks, and it's genuinely the Lord that has the capacity to shape your life. Tell your neighbor that can happen through all of us. Yeah, let me give you one more in the Old Testament. You might not know this was there, but the book of Malachi says the Holy Spirit will help your marriage. Malachi 2 did, and God is talking now about marriage. Did he, God, not make them one? This is the man and the wife in the context of marriage with a portion of the spirit in their marriage union. Isn't that interesting? When the believers marry, they have an advantage because the Holy Spirit is in their midst. And what was the one, and what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. In other words, you need the Holy Spirit not only to be married, but to raise your children. So guard yourself in your spirit. Let none of the, you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Let me show you another little picture here. Uh, the triangle again, but this is a little bit different. Uh, marriages are in trouble. I've asked in the last two services this question. How many have been married over 40 years? Would you raise your hand? Anyone in this conference? 40, how many years? 55. That's 110 years between you. Wow. Anybody else? How many years? 47. That's 94 years between the two of you. Wow, wow, you should be experts. How about you? 70-some years, his parents. Well, now I can guarantee in all three of these examples, uh, they have not been lovey-dovey honeymoon the whole time. There's probably been times when you go bump. Let me give you something from personal advice. Uh, put that, oh, there we go. If the husband and wife will oftentimes can't get any closer, when you've got God in the triangle, and every day the wife's trying to have relationship with God, read her Bible and pray, and the husband is, as they get closer to God, what's happening to the distance between them? It's narrowing. And I want to tell you, friends, from personal experience, God can help you have a better marriage. God can help you raise your children in a way. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that this happened in the Old Testament, and it can happen in the New. You say, well, how do I make that real in my life? How about this? In your prayer life, why don't you take your spouse by your hand and just say, Lord, we want to ask you to help us be the people you want us to be so we can be the marriage, the husband and wife you want us to be. You invite God to help you, and I bet he will. Let's move to the New Testament. Again, we're just sowing a lot of seeds, but we're painting a portrait of the Holy Spirit. Next time, we'll talk specifically about the gifts and activities of the Spirit in Acts. But what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? John 7, Jesus stands up and cries out, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, I think he probably had a case of Ozarka waters there, right? No, of course not. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of his heart or his inner being or his belly, will flow what? Rivers of living water. Verse 39, this he said about the Spirit. So what's the point here? Jesus said, Christian, is a water hose coming out of you. People are dry and thirsty around you. 
when it's summertime, it's rained a lot, obviously, in this spring, but probably in August, it's going to be hot and dry. And I, I love to garden, but uh, I, I don't have any sprinkler system on my dogwood trees. And they're the first ones to show the stress. And those dogwood trees, they go limp. The leaves just start curling, and they just kind of do that. And when they do, because I don't want them to die, they'll die easily. I take the water hose. Usually I do it in the evening, and I turn it on for about 30 minutes and let it run and soak the roots and water that tree. Well, you know what happens when I get up in the morning? Those trees are just, they're just like, they're just like praising the Lord because they were dying, and now they're alive again because life-giving water has come. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I see this happening in the church all the time. I, I saw not too long ago, there was a young woman that came to our church, and her marriage was in trouble. Husband had walked away from her, but she was walking towards God. And she was walking towards God. Her life was in turmoil. It was in trouble. And I watched the ladies just take their watering cans and water her. I, I, I watched them pray over her. I watched them share scriptures with her. I, I, I watched them prophesy over her. And all of a sudden, she just began to get up, and she started doing like my little dogwood trees. <laughs> And then the next thing you know is she's watering other people, come on now, who are in the same place she was. This is what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to not just keep the, quote, keep the Holy Spirit inside. He's a river that wants to flow out of us. And Jesus said it could be for all believers. Look at another one, John 14. Um, this was our text, but I want to pause on it. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father. He'll give you another helper it's the Greek word paraclete, parakletos. It means one called alongside to help. He's, some translations, your King James calls him the comforter. He's going to be with you forever. And then he's called the spirit of truth. And then the language is very personal and intimate. This is the biggest transformation between my life now and what it was as a child growing up in church. I didn't know you could have an intimate relationship with God. Jesus said, um, you know him, he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Now, I want, you to, I want to focus on this word helper just a moment. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort us when we're hurting, to strengthen us when we're weak, to give us peace when we're worried, and direction for decisions. Now, Jesus told us that when we pray, we're to pray to our Father, but the Holy Spirit is the action that brings the peace. I don't think it's wrong to talk to the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's wrong to say, Holy Spirit, I'm really struggling. I can't sleep tonight. I can't get the worry out of my mind. Would you help me? I watched my wife find the comforter. And I watched her find the helper when she was in the throes of breast cancer. Going through chemo, going through radiation. She couldn't sleep. She'd wake up in the morning, 4 o'clock, 4.30. I'd say, honey, come back to bed. She said, I can't sleep. And I would hear her in the other room. I could sleep fine. She couldn't sleep. She needed something more than me. And I'd hear her in that other room crying out to God. Sometimes the cries would be, God, help, I'm hurting. Sometimes the cries would be, God, come to me, I need you. And I watched a spiritual transformation in her life. I watched the helper come to her and meet her in her times of her weakness and make her a stronger Christian than I am and cause her to have a passion for God that eclipses mine. I'm telling you, friends, when you need help, 
Help is on the way. Come on. If you will seek his face, you'll find him. Because Jesus said the helper comes alongside us. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. John 16, here's another one. Jesus, again, second time, when the spirit of truth, this is the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will do what? Guide you into all truth. Truth, absolute truth, is missing from the public discourse. You're no longer taught in school that there's such a thing as absolute truth. That is universal truth that applies to everybody all the time. The commandment, thou shalt not kill. Come on, how many know that's absolute truth? How many know loving your neighbor rather than hating people? That's an absolute in the scripture. But our culture teaches truth is self-determined. You can figure out on your own what's right and wrong. And I'm telling you, friend, it's producing mass confusion. This is one of the most important reasons why Linnell and I, when we tried to raise our children, we realized our children were on loan from God, and our number one parenting responsibility was not just to get them new Nike tennis shoes. Get them if you can afford them. But our number one parenting responsibility was to teach them to have their own relationship with God. Teach them to know God. Teach them, lead them to a place of salvation. Get them to read their Bibles. Teach them how to pray. Because one day they're going to be out in the world alone apart from mom and dad. And they're going to be confronted with lies. And they're not going to know what to do. But if the Spirit of God is living in them, they'll know what to do. They're going to be sitting one day in a college class and a, and a Ph.D. Uh, in philosophy is going to try to talk them out of religion. He's going to try another Ph.D. in psychology or sexual. Uh, an education class will tell them about sexual uh, morality when he's also teaching, what he's really teaching is sexual immorality. He's not espousing the biblical virtue of a man and a woman in a covenant relationship with life, enjoying their sexual intimacy. No, he's telling you anytime, anywhere, just wear a condom. He's telling you sex robots are great. He's telling you sex with dogs is great or whatever the case is. They're just all over the globe. They're so confused they don't even know the difference between a man and a woman. They're even telling you that you can determine if you're a man or a woman or on Facebook you can pick 50 different choices. Listen, God has created us in his image. He created us as male or female. Just, just because... The professor has a Ph.D. I mean, listen, all of them don't have a doctor in philosophy. It could be means post hole digger, Ph.D. And that's about as much as they know. But guess what? If your child has learned the voice of God, when they hear that trash, they'll go, ah, la, 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 and they'll listen a little bit so they can pass the test, and then they'll go, la, 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 la. Are you with me? Yeah. He'll guide you into all truth. One more thing Jesus said, Matthew 10, when they arrest you, this is serious, don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it. Jesus said something incredible. And I'm going to suggest that this doesn't just apply to an arrest. It applies to a need, a crisis, an opportunity. At that time, you'll be given what to say. Who do you think is going to give it? Yeah, it's, it won't be you that's speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, that is an incredible thought that I can be in a situation and not know what to say and not have pre-planned it. Listen, I'm a planner. I study. I study countless hours during the week to present the scripture to you. But I've also been in situations where, where I was not prepared at all and God would speak. Several weeks ago, I was meeting with a, a group of pastors uh, in our Church on the Rock group, and we were actually meeting at Gander Mountain, uh, uh, and, and I just went there to have fellowship and enjoy a good lunch and hang out. 
And uh, our leader, our president, said, uh, asked me to, to share something with the people. And I started talking. I couldn't believe, I, I took 20 or 30 minutes, and I just couldn't believe what was coming out of my mouth. I thought, at one time, I almost stood back and said, where'd all that come from? I'm telling you the truth. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just being honest. Where'd that come from? That came from the Holy Spirit. I thought, man, this is so good. I'll never study for Sunday again. And then God, <laughs> God uh, 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 you know, God quickly. But there's times when you get in a situation. How about if you're in a school board meeting and the school board, it's been disclosed what common core, how it's still coming back. It's a way to somehow bring all our children under one system of education that has nothing to do with God. It's more towards globalism. It's more toward the state. And it's just, I just don't think it's a good thing. I've done a lot of reading and research on it. Uh, I, I had a teacher tell me recently in our public school system that it was in their contract. That if they did or said anything to undermine the teaching of Common Core, they would immediately lose their job. What if you're in a school board meeting? And you're there and you hear about the thing. What if you were in the meeting a couple years ago and where they, they want men to be able to use women's bathrooms on the Arkansas side and vice versa? And you hadn't really planned to say anything, but God just wanted you to go and you stood up and God filled your mouth. See, this is what we're talking about. Let's shift to what Paul had to say, and I want to go somewhat quickly. Romans chapter 5, what did Paul say about the Holy Spirit? Romans 5, 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy, the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God's love is poured out in my heart. I see this. Now, clearly, it's God's love for us as an individual. We receive it. We know it. But I suggest it's also about God's love in me to help people. I watch this happen through our church all the time. But one thing in particular that just has caught me, uh, uh, we have something called Grace House. Not a ministry I started. It's someone in our church. That's how we do ministry. Your gifts make room for it. You're serving the Lord. You're committed, submitted in your church. Whatever ministry you want to start, you go for it. Well, this woman starts this ministry to homeless people, but it narrows down into homeless mothers or moms that have children that are homeless or nearly homeless. She approached us, asked us if we could buy a house. Well, now we've got a house that, that has four moms. They stay there for a number of months. We give them a safe place to stay. They clean their act up. They get some classes. They get a job. They save some money, and they go out in society as, as strong Christian ladies. Well, uh, uh, if you're homeless, your life is broken. doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you're broken. may not be your fault. Could be your mom and dad didn't teach you about life. Could be your old sorry husband left you. Could be that, I don't know what. Could be that you were just lazy because nobody ever taught you to work and you never learned to take care of yourself. But you're in trouble. But it doesn't mean you're a bad person. I watch, I watch, you know, racism is the, is the, is this, is the pointed finger for everything in America. It just makes me sick. I watch people forget the color of their skin and forget how much money they have. I watch people who God has blessed cross all these lines and help these ladies and love them. 
not because of something called white guilt or whatever it is on the, whatever the synonymous term is on the black or Asian side, but because it's the love of God. And I watched, I watched Pat follow a lady of a different race than her that had nothing she could give her that got cancer. And I watched Pat follow her to Oklahoma and would go sit in the hospital with her to simply love her. Say, so why would somebody do that? There's no money in it. No, it's the love of God. And that's something the world can't produce. And if the world would listen to what I'm saying right now, all this racism stuff would disappear. Because all of us came from Adam. We're all related. Come on now. And if we'd love each other the way we, we want to be treated, how many know this thing called racism wouldn't be a problem in America today? Come on, it starts with the love of God. Let me give you a couple more quickly. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, we're comfortable saying Jesus came back to life, but somehow it was God the Spirit involved in the quickening of his mortal body. <laughs> By the way, friend, this same Spirit lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to give life to your mortal body by the same spirit living within you. So what do you think he's talking about? He's talking about when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to go, <gasps> and the next thing you're going to go and say, glory to God. The Bible says, listen, when you die, the saint, we go to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I want to speak to the fear of death that hovers over many of us. Many of us are scared to death of dying, and I understand it. But I want to tell you this, friend. Death has no place in the Christian. Come on now. We are going to a place that's better than this. Listen, death cannot control me. Death cannot hold me. Uh, death, Satan, it's his last trump card. To keep you in bondage and fear. Listen, to make you swallow dozens of, you know, pills and supplements and every, just everything to live a little bit longer. Listen, I'm all for taking care of yourself, but I'm telling you this, everybody's going to die. But I want to tell you something else, too. You don't have to be afraid of death. Because just as Jesus conquered the grave, the Holy Spirit is going to cause us to live after we die. And he has promised us a resurrection. Listen, don't, listen, don't let the devil. It's like the devil's playing cards with you. And, and, and the, uh, uh, the trump cards are spades. And the devil's got the king of spades of death waving it over you. I'm telling you, Jesus has a bigger ace. And he's going to put it down one day. And Satan's just going to have to give up and go away. Let me give you another one. 1 Corinthians 6. Speaking of our salvation, you were washed, your sins, you were sanctified. Or I'm going to come back to that. Set apart, you were justified, means declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Sanctification begins at the moment of salvation. And it's a lifelong experience where the Holy Spirit is molding and shaping us into the image of Christ. Doesn't mean you'll be God, but he's cleaning you up. How many understand that? He's getting rid of the junk in our lives. And if we will just submit to him, he'll make us different people. If I could share this, I've seen it. Uh, uh, Clint, Clint, stand up here. I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to. Look at those socks, man. Come on. They can't show them, but man, I can show mine today. Mine are looking pretty good. Clint, let me tell his story. Think about sanctification. Clint, uh, you see him around church. He drives a little uh, golf cart, picks you up, makes your kids happy and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, he was not always a man that served the Lord. 
Clint used to be a, a drug dealer. He'll tell you. He got arrested in our church parking lot. Now, he'd been coming to church a while, tried to make steps to Christ. But how many know when the world gets its hooks in you, it's like a corkscrew. It just gets deep and it doesn't want to let go. And it had hooked him. And he was involved, I guess, in a drug deal. And undercover narcotics folks arrested him in the church parking lot. They had their guns on him. I tried to come closer. And they said, sir, get away. Clint and I caught eyes. And he told me he was sorry. And I told him I loved him. I don't know if I've ever met anybody that has been knocked down as many times and gotten back up and continue to serve the Lord as Clint. It took him years to walk away from that life, but he walked away. And that's not who he is anymore. He's a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's what sanctification is. And I tell him, and I tell you that story because the same God who changed Clint, the same Holy Spirit, is the same God who can change you and I. Let me give you another one. Ephesians 3.16. I asked the Father in his great glory. Now listen to this. To give you the power to be strong inwardly. The Holy Spirit can give you power. To be strong on the inside. Let's talk about weakness just a second. I don't care who you are. Sooner or later you're going to be a weak person. Say, oh, not me. Okay. You got plenty of money. You got your health. You got power. You're influential. Drive an airplane. I don't know what it is. But you're just rocking and rolling in life. Everything is great. One day something's going to happen. One day you're going to be laying in the hospital and the cardiologist is going to say we're going to have to do open heart surgery. Something's going to happen to you and you're laying on a hospital gurney. And you're like a little baby. You're asking a nurse to hold your hand because you're realizing I'm weak. Weakness defines all of us in some way. But weakness is not a bad thing. Weakness makes you depend on God. Sooner or later you're going to face something you can't get through. It is a financial obstacle. Sooner or later, you may not be able to fix a marriage. And they walk out. And you are devastated. But I want to tell you, in your weakest moment, God can come beside you and help you. I'll tell you this from personal experience. I, after my wife's cancer, I started having panic attacks. I, I'd, never, I'd never had anything like that happen in my life. You say, whoo, pastor. I'll tell you how bad it was. I cannot tell you how many times I'd sit right by Linnell and Jason and just say, I, I just don't think I can go to that platform. Something, a feeling, a lie in my head. Because my doctor had already told me my body was okay. But this feeling began to torment me. And said, I'm going to die, I'm going to pass out, I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm going to have a stroke. And it took everything I could to just get from my office into here. But I would just get up. And I want to tell you this today. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the Bible says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And I glory in my weaknesses because of Christ. They say, well, ooh, I hope that never happens to me. Oh, but it doesn't either. But you've got something. Some of you are scared to death to get in an elevator. Some of you are scared to death of dying. One of my daughters, I won't mention which one, is scared to death of wasps. 
like Indiana Jones and the snakes. She saw one recently and said, Daddy, kill it, Daddy, kill it, Daddy, kill it. I said, take your shoe off and step on it. She said, I can't. I was, at, I was babysitting at somebody's house and I saw a wasp in the living room, so I, I ran in the bedroom with the children until the parents came home. Don't laugh at my little girl because you've got something too. It could be snakes or spiders or you may be scared of your wife. I don't know what it is, but you've got, you've got something that makes you shrivel inside. When you're weak, then you're strong. Well, I want to leave you there. We'll come back, in a, Lord willing, a week from today, and we'll go with part two about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And that whole book is about ordinary people like you and I having an encounter with an extraordinary God. And this God, the Holy Spirit, giving us power to be witnesses around the world as we utilize the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to stand to your feet with me just a moment, and we're going to just have a word of prayer. But I... I want you to think, I'm going to, I know I hit on a lot of things today, a lot more than normal, but I want you to think as I review these, Holy Spirit, you did it for them, do it for me. I want to build your faith to believe that you can be like Joseph. I want you to believe right now that the Holy Spirit has the ability to help you solve problems, huge problems. The Holy Spirit can make you a capable leader in the classroom, on the ball field, when you're with a big group of people. I want you to believe today that like Bezalel, God can give you supernatural wisdom, ability, and expertise. You, the Spirit of God that lives in you is in David. You can write songs. Zach, you can write songs. You can write songs that can capture the heart of the world. You can write books. There's a creative ability the Holy Spirit can draw from you. You can prophesy. You can hear from God and help people. You can have a lasting, happy marriage you deliberately and continually invite the Holy Spirit in. Jesus said you'll water people. Life-giving water can come from your lips. Jesus said help and comfort will be there. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide you in truth. He'll tell you what to say when the pressure's on. Paul said the Holy Spirit will give you a love for people you never dreamed possible. Paul said you can overcome the fear of death because the Holy Spirit is going to make you live after you die. He'll give us strength to face our weaknesses, the power to change, and He'll help us get out of trouble. They're going to sing this little song that simply says, Welcome Holy Spirit. I want you to close your eyes as you sing it in worship. The reason you close your eyes is so you just forget about your neighbors. Just close your eyes as you sing this. And when you say, welcome, Holy Spirit, we're not talking about this moment before we dismiss. I'm talking about in your life. 
that whatever God has done through others, He can do through you. Go ahead and sing it. I want to have this cry on Monday when I go to work. I want to have this expectation Tuesday afternoon, and I want to have it Saturday in the middle of the day. I want a desire, and I want to seek your face, and I want you to move in my life, not just when I'm having troubles, but to use my life for some great things for your eternal kingdom. God, welcome in my life. Help me seek you in my marriage. I want you to just take a hold of your spouse if you're married and they're next to you. Just hold their hand right now if you're engaged. And I want you to just, together as you grasp, renew your covenant that you're going to want the Holy Spirit to be a part of your marriage. Just say that together. Just say, God, we want you to be a part of our marriage. Both of us. We've got relationship with each other, but we want relationship with you. It's going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger because we want a godly legacy. We want godly children. We want a happy home. We want to be able to celebrate 40, 50, 60, 70 years of marriage and be happy. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. They're going to sing it one last time and then dismiss, but I want to do this in our closing. We're going to have our prayer team come forward in just a moment, and they'd like to pray with you about anything. If there's a need you have in your life, it's a great place. I think our faith is up today. Uh, But maybe it's not a need that you have. Maybe you just want to get closer to God. Maybe you want to have a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit and you want Him to take control of your life. You want what we'll read about next week to be filled with the Spirit. Come let somebody pray with you. But the biggest prayer I want to pray is about you that are here today that need a personal relationship with God. I read something that's just incredible that talks about the Holy Spirit causing a spiritual rebirth. Jesus said you must be born again and somehow the Holy Spirit can take we that are far away from God and make us close. I, I was raised in church grateful for it. I always considered myself a pretty, pretty good guy, but I was just a wild little alien. If the cross represents God, here's how I'd live my life. Oh, oh. need a little help, please. Thanks. Oh, oh. I really need some help. Whew, thanks. But then one day I said, I'm tired of living for myself. You not only died to forgive my sins, but you want me to follow you. And I said, yes. That's what you can do today. 
A very simple prayer, not only asking God to forgive you for what you've done wrong, commit yourself to follow Christ. And I promise God will change you. For some, it may be the first time you've ever taken this step. For others, you've gotten away from God. Today, you want to come back. We'd be honored to pray with you today. I'm going to ask you, if you need to get your life right with God, when they begin to play, just slip out of your chair. Come over to the cross. We don't promise you we won't embarrass you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to give something to help you. It's the biggest step you'll ever make because there's a great, great power in walking away from what was and anticipation giving your life to Christ. Go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They're going to be here to pray with you about any needs you have. Most importantly, if you need to get your life right with God, don't let anything stop you. We'll see you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you on Father's Day, Lord willing.